Hello, hello, hello. We are Daichi Solomon. Adra, Adra, and Solomon. Whichever way you want to say it. And you're listening to Afro Mythos, the podcast where we discuss all things African mythology, folklore, and culture. Thank you for taking the time to explore this amazing world of us. Thank you very much. And this week is all about love. 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 Let's talk about love. Oh, <laughs> So Valentine's Day is around the corner, so let's talk about the big L-O-V-E. What does that spell? I'm dyslexic. It spells love. (laughs) It spells love. Love, love, love. (laughs) So there's a lot of different theories about the origins of love. That's true. So throughout history, a range of cultures have developed their own formula for their ideal love story. (laughs) Growing up, we were read fairy tales that almost always began with Once Upon a Time, and ended um, when they all lived happily ever after. Yeah, that's true. But these fairy tales differ greatly from those that came before them, especially if we're talking about mythology and folk tales. So, with that fabulous intro, today we're going to tell you various legends involving African deities and love. Mm. Love, love, love. So enjoy. 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 <laughs> For pronunciation's sake, please. I listened to um, someone pronouncing it, but I've forgotten already. Oh. But I'll try my best. So you had one job. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be telling you um, a little love story involving the deity Mbaba Mwana Waresa. Mbaba Mwana Waresa. Yes. So just... So you you know you know who she is. Mm-hmm. Baba Moana Ressa is a fertility goddess of the Zulu people of Southern Africa. So she rules over rainbows, agriculture, harvest, rain, and beer, and has power over water and earth. Sounds like a good time. Sounds like a great time. So she's also the daughter of the sky god Mvelingwagi, and she's able to shape shift her appearance to that of an animal, hence her other name, Nonkubu Bualali. Wow. I tried, but okay. Mm-hmm. Which means she who chooses the state of an animal. So okay. as well as being, you know, um, the rain goddess, she ruling over rainbows and agriculture and stuff, she also is a- able to shape shift, which is quite cool. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, so Mbaba Mwana lives in the clouds in a round hut made of rainbow arches. And it is said that when the thunder rolls, that's just her playing the bongo as she blesses the land with the much-needed rain. I like that. Which is it's quite cool, yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. So she taught her people how to sow and reap and also the art of making beer. It is this act that has made her one of the most revered goddesses of the Zulu people. Um, that beer must be nice, because I'm not a fan of beer. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, for those who like it. Yeah. So that's the story I'll be telling you today. It's a romantic one involving the invention of beer. Okay, this is right up some people's alley. Yeah, it's got beer, it's got love, mm-hmm. it's got everything, mythology. If you're drinking a beer right now, you know, that's great. So, a long time ago, there was a well-loved goddess in the heavens called Mbaba Mwana Mresa. She was loved by the Zulu people because she was kind, benevolent, and she gave them beautiful rainbows after rain, which kept their land flourished. So the people worshipped her and sacrificed their best farm produce to her. Mbaba Mwana lived in the sky in a beautiful house made of rainbows and she played the bongo which produced the sounds of thunder. This made the Zulus happy as they knew the sound meant that rain was about to come. Mm. 
However, she felt so lonely living in the sky by herself, so she decided to find a husband. Where were you married? <laughs> yeah, I bet her auntie would say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, she sought a husband among the gods to marry, but she found them too arrogant, so she was unsuccessful. Fair enough, don't yeah. settle for less. Don't settle for less is the first message. Great, mm-hmm. love that. <laughs> Already off to good stuff. <laughs> How's your Valentine's? Got <laughs> <laughs> you at the people. <laughs> so, one beautiful evening, Mbaba Mwana Ressa was looking down at her people on earth and saw a man and a woman playing in a meadow. She saw the love in their eyes and the unity of their soul. She saw how pure the love the couple shared was. Nope, she's, she's gonna walk down. She goes like, yeah, enough of that, <laughs> enough of that. You know, it's, like, it's when um, people on Twitter are saying like when you when someone posts um, their significant other on Twitter mm-hmm. and they're like crying and single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what she's doing right now. So some people said I'll block you. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at how this beautiful couple loved each other, Mbaba Moana Reza thought that humans can't be that bad. So she decided to go to Earth to look for a husband among the humans. Yeah. You got me wrong. <laughs> However... I heard the streets are cold. <laughs> However, her plan did not sit well with the other gods because they were so proud and looked down on the humans. But they decided to allow her to do as she pleased because they knew the wickedness in the hearts of men. So yeah, the other gods were like, oh, do what you want. Because they didn't rate humans because obviously mm. they're gods, I guess. Did they not rate humans or did they not, not rate men? Because they be like men, eh? They said men are trash too. <laughs> <laughs> so once her heart was broken by the puny humans, she would learn her lesson. That's what they thought. Mm-hmm. So Mbaba Moana Reza took on the form of a young lady and descended to earth in search for a husband. She journeyed far and wide looking for a worthy human to be her husband. The beautiful goddess was on the verge of giving up when she came across a young cattle herder named Thandiwe. So Thandiwe was sat on the grass singing as his cows grazed. He was oblivious to the fact that a goddess was watching him in awe. Mbaba Manoresa was moved by his beautiful voice and she approached him and saw that his heart was pure. Mm, right, X-ray. Yeah. <laughs> so after some time befriending Thandiwe, that's another one, be friends first. Mm, mm. <laughs> Good advice here. <laughs> Mabawana Reza was convinced that the handsome cattle herder would make the perfect husband. Mm-hmm. However, she wanted to be careful and make sure she wasn't making the wrong decision, so she put him to a test. Another good bit of advice. <laughs> Don't rush into <laughs> it. Put them to the test. Damn. <laughs> Another test. <laughs> so this was the test, right? Mm-hmm. She sent him a gorgeous lady as a potential bride and she herself shapeshifted into an ugly old woman. Oh no, this is like when when them girls are like, oh, would you still love me if I was a worm? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Get out of here. Solomon would step on me if Get I was a worm. Get out of here. He would step on me if I was a worm. I would lovingly step on me. Andy Way fought off the seduction of the beautiful lady. For the record, she's not saying that I don't love her. Because I do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know, well, thank you. I love you too. <laughs> Thandiwe fought off the seduction of the beautiful lady and told her that his heart was already taken by another. He also could not be fooled when he came across the old hag 
and recognized her as Mabumana Reza right away, for he knew the goddess by her soul and not only by her body. How cute. Yeah, it's cute. But she's a god. She's a goddess. Yeah. Yeah. But he saw a hag and he was like, I know that's still you in there. I mean, because he knew. What? How did he know? I mean, I, I imagine that gods have a different Aura. essence mm, to them. Yeah. Different smell. Mm-hmm. So this cemented her love for him, and Mabamwana Reza was convinced that Thandi Wei was the right man for her, and they got married. So by marrying a mortal, the popular goddess had angered the other gods since they looked down on humans. They wanted to punish all humans on earth as they saw this marriage as a great disrespect. Mm. Mabamwana Reza feared for the humans and wanted to help resolve the conflict and bridge the gap between the gods and the humans. So she fixed this conflict the way all conflicts should be handled, apparently, with beer. I was going to say, before the with beer, I was like, this sounds like a great Nollywood um, <laughs> plot. You know how they do all those ones like the, not the best man, the the, the one where like there's a wedding and... Oh, uh, yes, yes, like, yes. The, the wedding party. That's what it's yeah, called, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Great movie. Yeah, wedding party yeah. of gods. <laughs> <laughs> so she called a great feast of gods and humans, but they all came together to drink the beer. It was so good that after drinking it, the gods forgot why they were angry and were once again benevolent to humankind. This drink she invented was said to make the mortals feel closer to the gods. And with that, the bond between both was restored. So to make sure the bond would not be broken again, Mamamwana Ressa shared her brewing skills with the humans and made them self-sufficient. So to this day, beer still plays an important role in the Zulu culture. The traditional kind called Nkobothi is made from a type of plant called shogoram and is always made by women. All in the good tradition of the first female brewer, Maba Mwana Reza. There's also a special procedure before anyone can start drinking. So first, the woman who brewed the beer skims the froth off and pours it on the ground as an offering to the ancestors and spirits. And after that, the hostess drinks the, drinks the beer first to show her guests that the beer is safe to drink. Then the host drinks to make sure that the quality is good enough for his guests. If he is satisfied with his wife's brew, the guests are served in order of their status. Still, all people drink from the same clay pot or gourd, and everyone must drink while sitting or squatting, and men should take off their hats out of respect for Mamba Mwana Ressa's gift to humanity. And that is the cool love story that, you know, ended with beer. And a little factoid in the end. That's a factoid. Um, The whole beer process and how we're going to make it. Okay. Basically, the last two minutes of what I just said. I I didn't know what a factoid was (laughs) because who says factoid? (laughs) All right, sorry. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) Damn. The fact. (laughs) Well, yeah, that was was a beautiful story. I I, I, I do like it. Um, Yeah, I like the idea of, you know, the purity of their love. Yeah. Of Mambo. Wamba Nuresa. Oh, he remixed that name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mamba Mwana Ressa. Yes. Um, yeah, and even and how how he passed the test of flying colours. Yes. Yeah. Passed the test of love. Yeah. Um, and just says about he loved her for her heart and not for how beautiful she probably was, you know. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he knew her soul. Mm-hmm. So you know it means you have to go deeper than just looks. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. So 
When are you going to tell me you're a goddess? I shall be telling my story next. So, I might have come across the best African mythology love story. Oh. Some might say the first African love story from one of the first African empires. This is a bold statement. Mm-hmm. So today I tell you the love story, the love story of Mardi and Sia. Okay, I'm excited now. <clears throat> you've, now you've opened it like that. Oh yeah, there's more. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's that, good. What is a suitable price for love? A few goats? Money, maybe? A life? Ooh. Death? Mm-hmm. Was it love in return? Love in return. Mm. Oh, sorry, I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> Love is the most beautiful thing, but in some cases, it can be the most deadly. People do crazy things for love. And most of you probably have stories of what you've done or couldn't do for love. (laughs) Today, we speak of a tragic and powerful tale of love. A love so strong that it could travel the world, cross the seas and defeat the most fearsome of gods. But that kind of love comes at a price. So again, my question is, what is a suitable price for love? The love in return? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, imagine if your love brought about the end to an entire empire. Wow. So this tale that I tell you today is cross-referenced from a few sources, mm-hmm. including a YouTube video from the Home Team History YouTube channel and a Riverton paper called The Nagas, The Seven-Headed Serpent and the Migration to Different Parts of the World mm-hmm. by Kwame Adapa. Cool. So... The Ghana Empire. Wait, so the best love story in the world is from Ghana? Ah, uh, now you, you can't retract. I can. I have new posts. You just <laughs> the Ghana Empire, also known as Wagadu, was a West African empire based in the modern day southeast of, of Mauritania and Western Mali. Um, that existed from I think 300 either C or BC I don't know just mm-hmm. let's see <laughs> until um, the 1100s mm-hmm. the empire was founded by the Soniki people mm-hmm. for our listeners this is not to be confused with the modern day Ghana how? because if you look on the map you can see where it is okay why is the Ghanaian empire? I'll explain further Ooh, okay <clears throat> later on oh. <laughs> So the Soniki um, are, I might be saying that wrong. The Soniki are ancient people of the Mande who are found today in Senegal, Southern Mauritania, and the Gambia. In, in the article that I was talking about, he goes on to draw a resemblance between Wakanda and Wagadu um, because it makes sense. But that's something you guys can mm-hmm. read in your own time. And just in case people don't know, Wakanda is not real. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually not real. So place. he's just comparing kind of the fictional place to Wagadu. Yeah, because he place. thinks that um, Ryan yeah. Um, yeah. and took inspiration from, from Wagadu okay. being the first. Yeah. So I know there's Ryan. some people out there that think it's a real place, <laughs> yeah. but you know, okay. I guess it's culturally significant, significant for so many yes. people. Yes. Anyway, the people of Wagadu believed in a mystical world serpent named Bida who met the clan father, Diaby, at a tree and through a magical ritual to do with sticky drums and the help of Bida, 
Megan Diaby um, was chosen as leader of four great clans. And that is how the Sonimki got their first leader. Now, Bida wanted in return a gift of many women, a sacrifice. But through negotiation, he settled with a sacrifice of the most beautiful and pure woman in the four clans. Okay. This is the backdrop or the prelude to our story. The leader of the Sonimki was called the Kana, um, which I think that means um, great um, warrior king. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the Kana, which means, which is where Ghana came from. And so his people were named really? accordingly to okay. the Ghana people. So it's not to be mistaken with Ghana itself. Okay, Ghana so people. this is a different word, not the country. It is still Ghana, as in GHA. Yeah, but, but it's, like it's not- derived from Kana and it's more to do with. Yeah. That led them so it's not about Ghana, the country. No. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's in a different region as well. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story now. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> so for the Sunni, so oh wait, I'm, I'm as well say um, this as well. So mm-hmm. this is a story that I think I've taken from the article, mm-hmm. but it's also referenced from another person who mm-hmm. wrote. Um, he didn't write the story, but he. What do you call those people? Anthropologists. Who learn these stories from the people and write them down. Okay. Um, Transversal. Yeah. Yeah, So there's one of the four different stories, versions of this story. Okay. For the Soninki people, the decline of the empire was due to the legend of Wagadu and the rapture of the pacts between the empire and the black snake. This happened after the nobles chose Sia as their annual sacrifice. She was the most beautiful and cleanest virgin girl in that year, but she was also engaged to be married. Her fiance, Mahdi, was a son of Jamari, um, whose unique quality was that um, he always did as he promised. Mm. When Mahdi was told, um, was told what would happen, that his fiance would be given to Bida, the black snake of Wagadu, he promised Sia that she would not die in that well of Wagadu. Mm. So Sia tried to convince him that it is her destiny that he should let her be um, be the gift to the snake in order to save the empire. But Mahdi refused. Within days, he asked his friend, the blacksmith of the village named Bomu, to sharpen his saber. When the day came, Mahdi set on his way in the direction of the well of Wagadu. Sia was well dressed in her hairstyle. Her hairstyle was plaited with gold, and the praise singer, you know, encouraged her. So did her family. You know, yeah. they're like, yeah, you know, you can do this. Um, mm-hmm. When they left, she saw Mardi, and they both fell in tears. Sia told him that if he killed the snake Wagadu, they would not have any more rain, and the empire would be destroyed forever. Damn, more than just the empire. Yeah. Like lives, lives, yeah. Yeah. Mardi refused saying their destinies are ratified he left her and hid himself nearby to wait for the snake the snake of Wagadu had seven heads when the snake took out its first head Mardi cut it he did the same to all the others when the snake took out his last head the one in silver the night became clear like the day the snake said I swear by the Lord of the seven head during seven years and seven bad years and during seven months and seven bad months during seven days and seven bad days 
Wagadu will not receive any rain and any piece of gold. Damn. That's a curse. I guess I know where I'm moving out to the death <laughs> is. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Mardi did not mind and he cut the last head of the snake. Damn. So the snake died and Mardi gave to Sia his shoes, his sheep, the sheaf of his saber, his ring and his hat. He told her that if tomorrow that you um you're asked for some clarifications, mm-hmm. give them these things. Mm-hmm. And then so Mardi went to his village and told all the details to his mother. Mm-hmm. She said, "You are my only son, and it is because of your of your fiance that you killed the Bida. Mm-hmm. However, the nobles of Wagadu will try to punish you. Mm-hmm. I swear in the memory of your father that I will do everything to protect you from Wagadu." When the sun came up, the nobles asked the praise singer to go check the well of Wagadu. When they saw Sia and the heads of the snake in the well, they asked her what had happened. As an answer, she gave them the shoes and all the things that Mardi gave her. The nobles and the 99 villagers were called to come and try and wear you know, the articles of clothing. Mm-hmm. When Mardi wore the shoes, the hat and the ring, everything fit. So people knew that he killed the snake. Oh, so is this like Cinderella where yeah. like, so the clothes didn't fit the other nobles mm-hmm. and the clothes would only fit the person who killed the snake. So he wore it and it fit him. Yeah. Okay. So, although I don't get how no one else can be your yeah. size. <laughs> but I guess it's, I literally saw a tweet the other day, literally yesterday saying, mm-hmm. Throughout the whole village, how did no one was the same shoe size as Cinderella? <laughs> so I guess it's the element of magic where it's like your actual is made more for your feet. Than yeah. So I guess this one, it's more like it's the magic stopping on people from mm, mm, it mm. being fit on. Bro, it's a size 25. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so the people knew that he killed a snake. Mm-hmm. They were going to take him when his mother intervened and said, I thought there were men in Wagadu, but I do not see any. Mm. You are afraid of the prediction of us of the snake before you even die. But there is something sure. Nobody will kill my son because of a snake. I do not see any men here. You will know that my loincloth is better than all of your trousers accumulated. Here during these seven bad years and seven bad months and seven bad days, the needs of Wakadu um, would be in my charge as an exchange for my son's life and his marriage to Sia. Wow. Yeah, so she took all This the... speaks more of a mother's love than, you mm-hmm. know, I know he did all that with the girl, but it's showing yeah, different she types really of love. Stood up. Yeah. She said, you guys aren't men, how dare you be scared of a snake? You should yeah, be scared of, of me. me. And then she said, I'll take responsibility. Yeah. I'll look after the place. That's great. Yeah, so she stepped up. So with shame, the nobles of Wagadu concluded their agreements. After Jumari, mm-hmm. you know, his mother, after you know his mother died, mm-hmm. the nobles of Wagadu met and decided that she did what she promised. And the agreement was at at the end, and the destiny of the nation would be accomplished. Wagadu went from fertile to dry, and there was no more rain. Wait, I'm so confused. What I was so confused as well. So his mum said she'd take care of everything. Yeah, well. yeah. And then and, she died. Uh, yeah. Before she managed to take care of everything. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And then so the land was dry anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the Sunimki were forced 
to leave the place which became inhospitable. Yeah. Thus, every family went to his destiny, that, and that is the decline of the Ghana Empire, the end of the Sunni Empire. So, what is the price you've paid for love? Do you think this was worth it? I'm going to have to say no. Yeah. Because it was a thing where I know the woman he loved would have died, but he's now caused detriment and possible death to loads of other people. Including, including him, himself man. and his new wife. And his yeah. mum, like, his mom died is not there well, anyway. She so, stepped up. I mean, it was, it was it's, it's a lose-lose-lose situation. Yeah. So I just, yeah. It, it's an interesting story. Very interesting story. Um, yeah, I mean, didn't see that coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I just thought, that, yeah, no. Because, <laughs> Lost for words. Because she, she literally said, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else said, don't do it. Yeah. He killed the snake. Mm-hmm. His mom tried to step up. Mm-hmm. She died. Mm-hmm. And everyone basically had to leave anyway. And the place is now dry. And yeah. And, and it's a waste of uh, empire. Mm-hmm. But love. It was all in the name of love, you know? Indeed. So, yeah. I will do anything for love. Do you know that song? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So I will be telling you about, okay, it's not really a love story. Mm. It is ish, but it's more like, I'll just tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it involves um, the deity spirit called Nyami Nyami and his wife Katapo. So the Tonga and Lozi people who've lived in Zambezi Valley for centuries refer to Nyami Nyami as the river god or protector of the river. Sorry, that sounds really fun to say. Go on, try. Nyami Nyami. <laughs> nyami Nyami. So, nyami Nyami. <laughs> so he is the ancestral spirit of the Tonga and Lozi people. Um, so Nyami Nyami's features are said to resemble the face of a fish and the torso of a snake. He is said to be three meters wide, but nobody dares to guess his length. Legend has it that the water stains red when he swims past. Mm-hmm. Wait, so when you say three meters wide, as in... Yeah, three meters wide. Okay. As in like... And very in long. Width. Okay. And, it's very, and it's very long that people don't even want to mm-hmm. guess. So he's really a really big snakey... He's that head of a basic of, fish. Yeah, and torso of a snake. Okay. Yeah. So not humanoid in any way, shape? No. Not human or in any way, shape, or form. More of an animal type thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, he's also known as the lost. <laughs> he's also known as the lost soul who longs for love. Mm. Yeah, sad, isn't it? <laughs> so the Tonga people believe that he is married, but has been cruelly separated from his wife Katapu. Yeah, and I'll, t- I'll tell you the story. But yeah, so the top, this is a bit about the Tonga people. So they inhabited both banks of the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe and Zambia. But in the 1950s, life changed for them with the construction of the Kariba Dam at the mouth of the Kariba Gorge, where Nyami Nyami and his wife Katapo are believed to have lived. So this is the last story, which is also a legend about Nyami Nyami, his wife Katapo, and the very real construction of the Kariba Dam. So before, I go, this is going. Yeah, so before I go into it, so it's, yeah, it's, it's like 
this real thing that happened, obviously, because mm. the dam was created, but it's kind of also mixed in with this legend of folklore of Nyami Nyami, who is said to have lived where the dam was mm. created mm. with his wife. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really cool to see how it would evolve. Yes. Sort of added new chapters yes. to a legend. And it wasn't that long ago, it was mm. the 1950s. So, it's so cool to kind of see that it's still being mixed into, like, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. So, here we go. It is believed that Nyami Nyami and his wife Katapo lived under a large rock close to the present-day Kariba Dam wall at the mouth of the Kariba Gorge, a large natural gorge through which flowed the Zambezi River on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. So no tribesmen would venture near this rock, as those few who did were sucked down with their canoes in whirlpools and were never seen again. They called the rock Karira, the trap, and hence the name of the lake, Kariba. Wow. So this is where Nyami Nyami and his wife are said to have lived. And obviously, he doesn't want anyone to come close to his wife or close to him. So any person that did would be sucked in a whirlpool. Mm, sounds like Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Mm. It also sounds like, obviously, this is back to Percy Jackson, mm. but like Greek mythology. And I think it's something called Charybdis or Charybdis, oh. which is basically... It's like a whirlpool that's supposed to be like in the Sea of Monsters or in the cool. sea that I think it's like a monster that has like large teeth and it basically sucks people in and it crushes them or something like that. I yeah. think that's Charybdis. Kind of also sounds like Caribba, so you know, that's, mm. yeah, cool. Okay. Um, so survey work on the proposed dam wall began in the late 1940s and on the night of the 15th of February, 1950, <laughs> the day after Valentine's Day, I just realised that. Oh, it's coming full circle. So on that night, 15th of Feb, 1950, a cyclone from the Indian Ocean swept up the valley. Such a thing had never been heard of in this landlocked stable land. 15 inches of rain driven by a hurricane fell in just a few hours. And this is when, like, work first started on the dam. That sounds a lot. Yeah. I remember when people came to the rock, they'd get sucked in. So this is when people are trying to, you know, mm. yeah. So it was said that that night, the river rose seven meters and a number of villages were swept away. And when rescue teams finally managed to reach the area three days later, the putrefying bodies of antelope and other animals were seen hanging from tops of trees. As well as this, the survey team had also sadly perished in the landslide. And this actually happened. Yeah. You pissed off the wrong person. Yeah. So, despite this, work on the dam began anyway, five years later, in 1955. Yeah. But on Christmas Eve that year, an unprecedented flood stormed down the gorge and washed away the foundations of the dam and the recently constructed pontoon bridge. The flood peaked, receded, and then peaked again. This had never happened before, and people started to talk about the river god Nyami Nyami. They were like, okay, this is too many coincidences now. It's definitely Nyami Nyami because, you know, people are coming to this territory. So during the construction of the dam, Nyami Nyami was separated from his wife. So obviously what what has said that was him before, it was him trying to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. And then they were still going on construction and it was it said that he was separated from Katapa, his wife. So... As well as this, unfortunately, the Tonga people were relocated to dry places against their will. Yeah. And I actually found an expert from, excerpt 
from someone because um, obviously 1950s wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is Fanuel Simbaba, a resident in the Zambezi Basin. And he said that we were moved to very dry lands, very rocky areas and very infertile land. So we lost quite a lot. We lost our animals. We lost the culture, our shrines, our um, cemeteries because of this construction. So, you know, the natives lost a lot. Wow. So it's also said that's why Nami Nami was also angry. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. Yeah. So because of this, you know, he's separated by his wife. His native people have been moved against their will. Nami Nami struck a third time in November 1956. So the heavy rains fell a month before they were due and sudden flash floods impeded work on the dam. Heavy rains were falling throughout this vast region. The water was being hoarded in the floodplains of Zambia and the forests of Angola. And in January, the Sanyati River, which entered the Zambezi very near the new wall, suddenly came down like Calvary charge. The river rose, the river rose almost six meters in the next 24 hours and surged over the dam. So whenever progress would be made on the dam, Nyami Nyami would retaliate, sending unprecedented floods to wash away any foundations. Three floods were seen over the span of eight years, floods that would normally be expected to occur every 10,000 years. One of the floods swept down the riverbed, wrecking havoc on all of its path. 16 million litres per second exploded over the suspension bridge, which buckled and heaved. All these events halted the construction of the dam, that is until 1958, when Italian constructors <laughs> when Italian constructors took over. So in December 1958, the dam was finally erected, but its construction had tragically claimed 80 lives. So today, minor earth tremors are felt around Kariba, and some say it's Nyami Nyami seeking his wife to tap him. Now ruthlessly cut off from her by the dam wall. So it is said that he turns around with such fury that the earth shakes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that dam was worth it. I hope it was worth like, it. Like, I hope like, it's actually served. It's the purpose. persistence for me. They kept yeah. trying and trying and trying, like, despite everything. And especially if they displaced so many people. Yeah. And so many people died. That they, that, they're not yeah, used they're to not used or to, they're not happy yeah. with. So I need to know... Why? Why it was okay yeah. and, and what's it used for Yeah And it's just sad Because like you know Nyami Nyami and his wife Have been separated And Yeah Yeah the earth shakes Because he's looking for her So like I said It's not really a love story It's more like a His love was so great That he was trying to prevent These The dam from being constructed mm. And now He's so frustrated Because he's separate from her mm. That He's literally He shakes the earth in anger you know what I would have liked a prelude to this where they talk about like their love and their relationship. Yeah, just so you together. could, yeah, yeah. So you can like feel it. Yeah. Feel, like, the separation. Someone needs to make a movie. It's like in series when they make you like, you know, attached to a character before they kill them off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. If she's not killed, maybe in the sequel, you know, um, they might yeah. like the damn damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> but yeah, that, that would be a great series. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So that's all from us. We hope you enjoyed and learned something new and exciting in this episode. Indeed. Spread the love mm-hmm. by letting us know how you found 
this episode by rating and leaving a review. Yep, I love leaving review. Ah, oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's. Valentine's is coming. Yeah, yeah. Valentine's is coming. Valentine's is coming. Where's your, your boyfriend? boyfriend. <laughs> or girlfriend. So we'll be back next week with another Minnesota. So put your podcast notifications on and stay tuned for that. If you want more African mythology and folklore, then have a listen to our new YouTube series, African Mythology and Religion. Yep, so we've done two episodes now, one about the Yoruba Pantheon and the Orishas, and the other about the Khan Pantheon and the Abbasum. Until next time, and as always, thank you for taking the time to explore, explore the wonderful world, world of African mythology, mythology. with us. <laughs> it's the Adams for me. <laughs> With us, your host, Solomon, Solomon and Adra, Adra and Solomon, whichever way you want to say. Spread the love. Spread Enjoy the love. your Valentine's Day. Honestly, you know, self love, self love, lovely love, family love, friendship. Um, yeah, any type of love, just celebrate it. Yeah, just if you love it. your rock, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you know, if, you know pet if, love. If you love chocolate, you love plants. Just, yeah. just love. Buy a fire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>